G'day everyone, welcome back to another Friday Wrap. Um, it's your one of your hosts, David Shee here. Um, I returned from last week, apologies about being absent. And um, <laughs> for some reason, I think we always seem to be going one missing lately. <laughs> this week we're actually missing John, <laughs> who's had a full attendance, but anyway. Um, Jazz and I will bitch about him a bit later, but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, Jazz, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. It's it's my turn next week. Just remember that, right? So oh, come on, it's, please. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like a round. It's like a round robin, isn't it? It's been uh, taking around. But uh, why you guys have been slacking? I've been doing all this. <laughs> I think holding the fort, mate, because we know you can. That's <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sydney's being Sydney's been going terrible, unfortunately. You know, we've got lockdown extended earlier this week, and um, yeah, as of Friday morning, it's been about forty plus cases, forty plus new cases, which is being announced just by Gladys Berejiklian. Um, it's sad. It is sad. It is sad. So hopefully, hopefully everyone will be able to pull this through together. Um, and, um, you know, we've done it before. So we just need, uh, we just need to do it again, get our socks together, and then uh, we'll be out of this. Anyway, um, so looking at what we have this week, it's actually been a bit of a quiet week, I have to say, Jazz. Um, but, um, you know, there, there are some big pieces of news uh, i guess so quality wise not too bad quantity wise a bit short okay, but i guess it's good it's good for us to to have a to have a dive into it in that case mm-hmm. um, so first thing is rbas had their monthly meetings uh, this month so everyone's been eyeing it given the fact that this is the new financial year um, the term funding facility has officially ended um, and it was it was basically, I mean, yeah, everyone's got their eyes on it and go, what is RBA going to do next? So the key three things that uh, from the minutes uh, is that they are going to retain the April 2024 bond, which is like a three-year bond with a yield target of 10 basis points. So in other words, they're still going to keep money very, very cheap from that, from that perspective. They're going to continue purchasing government bonds, um, and uh, after the completion of current bond purchase program in early September, the purchase rate will be reduced down to $4 billion a week until at least mid-November. So I think the velocity of, in other words, the velocity of the money printing <laughs> is reducing, given the fact that how economy is rebounding. Having said that, um, I don't know how Philip Blow would feel now seeing, seeing Sydney's uh, is still spiking. Um, so that's second point. And third point was um, they will continue to maintain the cash rate target at 10 basis point and the interest rate on exchange settlement balances of 0%. So all in all, um, you know, I think the directive is still very, very similar. Um, you know, they are continue to provide cheap funding at this point in time. They are continue to keep the long-term three-year bond yield low um, so that the cost of funding can still remain to be low. And RBA's governor has reiterated again that the cash rate will not change, will not change until the inflation is sustainably within about 2 to 3% target. Mm-hmm. So I've rambled on a bit, but uh, let's, pull those to get, uh, let's pull those apart each one by one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess Jazz are probably more qualified than me to, to come in on these a bit more. Um, given the fact we don't have John, I've got no one else to pick on this time. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your thoughts about these points that uh, Philip has uh, has given us? So no surprises here on mm. the cash rate target. 
David, we have discussed that a few times on the podcast that mm-hmm. we don't know how you can raise the rates in the next near future. When we say near future, it's probably here two to three years kind of thing. Yeah. Basically. So leaving it at 10 basis point makes perfect sense. Uh, I'm not surprised at all. I'm sure you are not either. Uh, but the statement that was issued by RBA on the uh, maintaining of the cash rate until inflation is sustainably within the two to three percent target band. I think it, what, what I think what will be awesome is if RBA one day or the Philip Loy one day just comes out and explains why is inflation being calculated the way they are calculating it. Right? Mm. We are saying is inflation hitting the target of two to three percent. When I look at the oil prices. Right. When I look at the increase in the property uh, prices, asset uh, prices, asset prices, real estate, or even if in general the discretion, some of the discretionary stuff, or mm. we have talked about lumber prices. Um, they talk about this being transitory. I don't see how uh, this is some some parts of it will be really that transitory. Uh, yeah, maybe the lumber prices will crash a little bit, but if they've gone up by 500%, even if they crash a bit, it's still, you're still paying. We've, we're seeing the construction cost overall going up as well. So totally. when, when, when we see things like construction costs going up for obvious reasons, uh, labor wages going up, right? Uh, even in the geek economy, when you look at the geek economy, uh, it just doesn't, it will be just great for RBA one day to come out and, and talk about inflation, how they calculated and why they calculated that way, because none of that makes sense at all. Leaving the 10 basis points uh, makes perfect sense because obviously they cannot afford to raise rates here. Uh, th- that will have an impact. But talking about inflation hitting two to 3% when all the assets uh, are, are going or commodities in general, daily use commodities, whether it's oil or lumber going up uh, at the pace they are, uh, none of it makes sense to me. I don't know. What do you think about it? Oh, well, in other words, you know, money is going to where they're not measuring, right? Into 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 the into the um the the indices or KPIs which they're not really measuring, like the, you know, the properties, the gas, the the oil, all that kind of stuff. Whereas mm. whatever they're measuring, that's money's not going in there. So of course we're not seeing the the impact. However, the the general the general consensus the general commodity stuff is, is, is going out like crazy like you said you know mm. people are feeling it every day at the moment as well like all the food prices all the groceries being quietly sneakily going up like you know mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. um so you know i think every everybody's feeling it except the fact that just the the inflation target or the inflation kpi that they're trying to measure it is not getting it mm. uh, in, in that instance it, so, it, yeah it feels like it's a very dated way of measuring thing mm. uh, whereas in real life uh, a person i was speaking to someone the other day who were thinking about reno- renovating their house and they had to put a stop on it because the uh, uh, renovation cost because of the uh, the some of the commodities which is in this case wood and all yeah. uh, was just too high for them to even think about it. So these are the kind of things when you're at the ground, uh, you see and you feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and to add to that, I think 
um, I've heard that I think the quotes nowadays with those uh, with those materials are only lasting for like a week. You know, if you ask them for another quote in a week's time, chances are it's going to be even more expensive now. So that shows how volatility mm-hmm. kicks in with those uh, with those commodity prices. And yeah, so guaranteed in twelve months' time, the cost of building the same house will be very very different to uh, the cost of building the same house twelve months ago. And that's something we have, yeah, and that's something we have discussed as well in the past. Where hmm. it's not only the land price that's going up; its construction cost is going up even higher yeah. when compared to the actual land prices. So this is not transitory. Yeah, maybe it will drop a little bit, but this is not really transitory. So no, the everyday everyday standard of living is still dropping. If you look at the, uh, if you generalize it a little bit, I think. Uh, and that's purely because the people are not able to keep up with the increase in the prices, whether it's the house prices or whether it's the oil yes. price or whether it's the wood price uh, or maybe even labor in general. So I, I think that's what's the point. That that's the point that Abi needs to maybe talk a little bit more and explain why why they're calculating it a certain way <laughs> you sure they keep trying to get the they, they well it's for inflation to kick into that level gear that job growth job wage growth must have keeping up right but the fact is i don't think job wage growth are going up at all <laughs> but everything else is going up so people are feeling it and as you said you know they're they're bearing the consequences whether it's house prices whether it's rent prices whether it's just day-to-day groceries they can feel it's hurting their wallet um, in, in a sense. So, And we're already at the bottom record low of interest rates. There's no more chances that we'd be able to drop anything. So, yeah, I don't know. I think something fundamental, something fundamental has to be changed. All right, well, let's move on to the next one then, uh, which talks about um, this is actually just, just news coming up from yesterday or even earlier today. The mortgage deferrals are expected to come back again. Um, I think this is an article from AFR which talks about, um, you know, the banking heads uh, have have got together yesterday, um, yesterday afternoon, after assessing the current outbreak of Sydney and the impact to the economy as such, um, they are considering about putting the mortgage deferrals back on the table again for people who are suffering from the hardship. And given the fact that, you know, we've just got a new highest number of new cases in Sydney this morning. Obviously, the lockdown date doesn't seem to be ending very, very soon. So, <clears throat> so that's an appropriate thing to do. But the ironic thing here is the prices, the property prices are rising again. So, you know, I think Jazz, you and I had a bit of a chuckle before we jump on the air. It's like, how does that work when you've got mortgage deferrals? That's, you know, people are stopping paying mortgages, but the property prices continue to soar. It just that's like the most absurd things that I've ever heard, <laughs> to be honest. That tells you just the fragility of the system to some extent, right? So yeah. it's how disconnected the things are in reality. Um, that on one on one hand, we are talking about stopping the mortgages for the people who are in need uh, due to the lockdown, uh, which means obviously uh, the banks are worried that the system can tip over if some action like this is not taken. And on the other hand, uh, we want property prices to run at a pay, pace um, to create more demand in the economy for other resources, 
uh, whether it's the labor resources or the domino effect that comes with it. So mm. it's a it's a very interesting <laughs> uh, story in general that we are talking about stopping the mortgages once again we're required, but letting the property market run hot um, at 10 to 15% a year while talking about maintaining the inflation target of two to 3%. Like think about just what I said over there, right? Ponder over it for a second. So we're going to stop mortgages for the people who are in need. Makes sense. Suffering. Yeah. Right? But we're going to let the property prices run hot uh, at 15, 10, 15, 20%. And we have already seen that for this year. But we want inflation to be between 2 to 3%. Right? None of those three things add up. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm just scratching my head at the moment to try to make a sense out of it, to be honest. I've got to say, I think everyone's traveling at different speeds to a degree, right? Like, yes, you know, those, those being impacted and that's unfortunately beyond their control. Um, you know, the lockdown is absolutely beyond their control. They're then unable to work. Um, government are providing support and, um, you know, I think it was the uh, federal government providing like $500 for those people who's uh, had a lockdown uh, for over two weeks and had a reduction in their working hours uh, in that sense. So they're handing money out again in a smaller scale, but definitely supporting needed because of the COVID rebound that we're seeing this time. Um so that's one that's one speed that that's basically traveling those people who's got you know it doesn't have a lot of cash saved up and uh you know are struggling because of the fact that they don't have they just they just they just cannot work with um the debt that they have or the or be able to live on without having the ongoing income so fair enough whereas there's the other side of the you know scale who you know for those people who's able to acquire property nowadays, that means they got certain level of wealth, got certain level of prosperity, um, able to purchase whether that's an owner-occupier or investor, um, and assuming they're not being impacted, they'll continue to buy. So that's that's like a two-speed different economy that that we're seeing now, isn't it? So, but also the interesting part is we talk about suspending the mortgages, which means people not being able to obviously afford the mortgages, right? Mm-hmm. But then the new entrants in the market, uh, and generally we have always said this, the first home buyers are the most vulnerable. Uh, and these new entrants in, the, entrants in the market, they're buying property uh, while the prices are, on a, uh, are running at a red hot pace. Mm-hmm. So if a situation like this was to ever happen again in near future, or let's say if the COVID just stayed with us longer than expected, these new entrants in the market who are buying properties properties at much higher prices, if something was to happen uh, where more lockdown was required, how many mortgages are going to get suspended then? Right. So yeah, it's at a at a higher prices this time, just because people leveraged up to their uh, up to their neck, mate, up to their neck. <laughs> yeah. So it's just a very weird, funny story altogether, I think. And I don't think the property prices are ever going to drop from this point onwards, right? Like, I mean, last weekend, we've had the lockdown um, and auction clearance rates is obviously dropping a little bit, but the prices are still holding up in that instance. And I don't see that being, or I don't see that changing, basically. I think 
like you mentioned, the first home buyers, uh, a lot of first time entrants are starting to realize how expensive it is. They want to be able to get in um, because they just don't see there's any way that the property prices are going to be coming back. Mm -hmm. Thinking the other way, though, I mean, what do you think? Uh, like, what, what are the possibilities of cause triggers that could potentially make the prices drop? The only scenario that can happen and that I can think of is if we see a lot of deflationary pressure coming in mm. to the market. And the way that will happen is if Fed and RBA decided to taper QE completely, basically, mm -hmm. uh, especially during this period where COVID is still relevant. Um, so if it was to, if, if there was a new mutant or a variant uh, tomorrow and Fed RBA decided not to do more QE, which means basically there will be deflationary forces at that point in play, and that will directly impact the market. But I don't see how that can actually happen uh, because the minute deflationary forces come into play, it's going to have a big domino effect, which obviously uh, will cause a lot of damage to the economy overall. Yeah. So I don't, I just don't see how they can stop uh, QE in that situation. Um, yeah, job warning is a different thing uh, and maybe just slowing it down in a little bit different thing. But I think it's, it's something that will just continue and the balance sheet will, uh, balance sheet will keep exploding over the period. Yeah, I don't think they've got an option at this point, right? It's uh, They're not going to shut off the engine, which they just literally started to fire up again, mm -hmm. right? So the QE is unlikely to stop. And I mean, just the velocity at mm -hmm. the moment has dropped a little bit, but they're going to continue to print and assess, right? It's like a bit of a print and assess approach. Okay, how are we going now and, and all that kind of stuff. But as long as money printing is still going on, I don't think there's any chances of... Put it this way, put it this way, to just to add to your point, um, when COVID hit last year, we saw what happened to the markets, right? Mm -hmm. And Fed had to immediately drop rates and all the other central banks, plus do QE at much more faster pace, right? Correct. So um, if COVID-like situation was to happen again, or if COVID was to just to get worse with a new mutant uh, or something. Um, I think Fed will and, and the other central banks will naturally have to do more QE, but if they decided not to, which is not possible, uh, then we will see the deflationary forces, which will make the property prices and other asset classes crash, mm. but that ain't gonna happen. Well, not based on where we are at the moment, right? So, um, but who knows, maybe in the future, <laughs> anything can happen in this funny world now, I've got to say, never say never. Um, but the amount of print, the amount of money that's already circulating in the current worldwide economy is, is absolutely crazy. Yeah, how, and how can you do it? I mean, it's it's uh, the simplest way or the very, very macro way of looking at it will be is if the balance sheet in 2008 was 800 billion, this is Fed's money supply, basically, the balance mm -hmm. sheet. Um, and since then, it has gone all the way up to, up until this point, I think it's at somewhere around seven to eight trillion, more like eight trillion. Uh, and that was 
the period of growth as well, while new money was being created through QE at various points of the cycle. Um, it's If it hasn't stopped in the last 10 years, what makes us think that it will stop in the next 10 years, basically, is the point here. So uh, just don't see it happening. We have to, uh, like we said before, it's kicking the can down the road. So let the inflation uh, inflate away the debt. Inflate away the debt. That's the only way they can get out of it. Yeah. And a new let, let a new financial system be born over a period of time, however, and whatever that is. Mm. Mm -hmm. okay that's no, good i just thought that was an interesting thought you know in terms of what are the other possibilities and, and in terms of uh impacting assets and property prices which could go the other way rather than you know going continue to go north which is what obviously everyone everybody at the moment is expecting for the next couple of years mm -hmm. but back to this deferral news i think Funny enough, it's uh, the deferral will not be restricted to borrowers in Sydney and will be extended nationwide to any bank customer who has been affected by coronavirus restrictions, including businesses in the snowfields and in Melbourne CBD. So they are not just limiting it to the Sydney lockdown people. They are actually expanding it to anyone who could potentially be impacted by such. Um, so I think it's right support in the right time and um you know for those people who need it but again you know it's a funny it's a funny two-speed economy is the way how we look at it exactly <laughs> talking about the property prices mate um i know property? ah mate australian property prices um you know there was an article released by michael yarney's blog um latest property price forecast revealed what's ahead in our housing markets in the next year or two. So in that article, we've got the ANZ report most recently released, um, predicts that the national, national level Australian house prices will rise by a strong 17% through 2021 before slowing to 6% growth in 2022. So uh, the, the breakdowns are Sydney up to 19% by the end of the year, Melbourne, Big jump, 16% over the year, which is good. You guys are recovering. That's nice. Brisbane, also 16% this year. Adelaide's doing 13% over the year. Perth, expected whopping 19 in 2021. Canberra, 16%, strong performer again. And Darwin, 16%. They're all double digit. They're all double digit, which is amazing. And this is... Um, Jess, if I'm not mistaken, this is on top of what they what, what we currently have, or um, this is including the growth that we're already seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, so this, I think, is uh, for the year. For the whole year, okay, so okay. For the whole year. For the whole year. Uh, I think a good part of the that growth has already been seen. Yeah. So far. Mm -hmm. um, again, ties back into the same story uh, that uh, asset prices are going to keep going up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even though the mortgages have to be suspended, different story, but a two-tier economy that we're living in. And uh, these numbers basically uh, for the year, they, I mean, most of that is already panning out, David. There's, there's no surprises here, I think. It's being realized. It's being realized to a degree. Okay. Well, let's, let's look at another set from Kulabar Capital Investment then, the one ran by Chris Joy. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so he's predicting, or his company's predicting, a substantial property price growth through to the end of 2023, um, as well as similar gains in real residential investment. So using RBA's model of housing market, the forecast predicts house price growth of 8% over 2021. So I think this one you're talking about another 8% to go for the remaining of the year. So, yeah, okay. And then an additional 9% in 2022 before a final spike of 8% in 2023. Mm -hmm. So if I add up those three figures, that takes us to accumulated growth to the end of 2023, up 25%, mm -hmm. which is pretty astonishing, I have to say. You know, we already had a significant realization in terms of what the current property prices, I reckon, in general, what 10 to 10 to 20% so far, just mm -hmm. in 2021. Mm -hmm. If we are going to see another 25%, that's going to take us up to into the 30 to 40% growth, mm -hmm. you know, across the, about the three-year period. Mm. So we have talked about this as well, David, over the pod. Yep. Uh, last time, I think, with John as well, uh, that we will see these kind of numbers. And in all honesty, I'm not an economist, but knowing how the markets works and the cycles seen in the past, uh, these numbers uh, are the numbers that look very achievable, but market always overshoots and undershoots uh, when there's a euphoria stage or when there's a uh, when people are bearish. So when we hit the euphoria stage where everyone is bullish on property, that all oh, property prices always go up and they're happy to pay the premium, I think this number is going to way overshoot, uh, maybe more close to the total gains that we will see is maybe more close to 50, 60% even before it sees a correction, I think. So it's it's already playing out. We are seeing that firsthand. Even though uh, people were impacted last year, people have been impacted you know, last year with COVID. Uh, we know the kind of measures RBA, APRA are taking uh, to stop the impact on the property or uh, stop the impact on the property market, which is basically prices cra crashing, yep. uh, which is mainly mortgage deferrals, right? So we, we know the kind of measures that will be taken. We know that rates are not going to go up, albeit a statement we just discussed before. So when you add all of that up, uh, yes, prices are obviously going to keep moving uh, upwards from here. Uh, so no surprises here. Uh, and especially if, the, if COVID clears out and we go back to normal, normal ever, uh, then uh, don't forget the interest, oh, sorry, the uh, international migrants that will boost up the market as well. So yeah. I think we'll overshoot this number without a doubt. Depends on how quickly we get COVID under control, I guess, this round two, right? Mm -hmm. So, and how quickly, because they have to cut the migrant, uh, the the um, the border people, I think they had to halve it again earlier this, um, this week. So mm -hmm. obviously causing a bit of a dent there. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think uh, if um, if COVID's under control, then everything's looking bright. And as you, as we all, as we mentioned a number of times, you know, the interest rate doesn't seem to be moving, even though, I mean, the cash rate doesn't seem to be moving, even though some of the bank's fixed rate is starting to move, I've got to say. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we're looking at about two to three years or even four years, because of the fact that the term funding facility is now stopping more banks from drawing cheap money, literally free money, so they've got to start thinking about how they source the funds. Um, and, you know, we're already seeing um, some slight increases in terms of the medium. So two to three years, whether that's a home loan, whether that's investment loan, fixed rates 
are starting to creep up a little bit. So mm-hmm. talking about maybe 0.1 or 0.2, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And just and that's yeah, that's just because of the TFF is no longer available for free money to be drawn. Um, having said that, I think banks have a very different predictions to what RBA has. You know, RBA is not going to raise cash rate. But I think what CBA or ANZ was already predicting that, um, you know, they had a contradictory view. They think that the rate's going to have to rise um, within the next year or two uh, rather than wait to, wait out till 2024. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. I think it's an interesting space to watch. We are bullish on all asset classes, but for all the wrong, all the wrong reasons. The, none of this is the right reason for the prices to be going yeah. up. Uh so yes, we are bullish, but we are also being very uh, practical about that economy overall. Overall, is is not doing that well, no. uh, especially with the lockdowns that now we are doing and seeing in Sydney, and who knows what's going to happen next, right? So we are bullish for all the wrong reasons. So we're not happy about it, but uh, you have to do what you have to do. So I guess that's right. I mean, yeah, you got you got to work with what you have. That's 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 reality, right? So, and a lot of these things are sovereign, which is way beyond what you and I can do to a degree. It's all it's decisions being made from a political level, from a federal level, from a state, from a country level, which had an impact later on, right? So, so there's a yeah. famous saying: you, if you cannot fix the system, join the system, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's got an option at the moment, isn't it? Feel bad saying that, but. It is what it is. Very true. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I think that's pretty much it, Jess. Anything else you want to add for today? That is, I think, more or less. Uh, it's just RBA was the biggest piece of news, mate. Not ha- much happening in the crypto markets and all. So we'll we'll keep that away for this week. Yeah. Okay. Keep away from that. Um, but to the listeners, again, none of this is financial advice. Please do your own research. Uh, And uh, like always, don't over leverage, play safe, stay safe. And we will see you guys next Friday. Jazz and David.